Morning, everyone. How are you? All right. Um, good to see you all. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Esther. Um, I'm one of the leaders uh, here at Ebby Church. Um, if my voice starts to go, it's all right. I sound worse than I'm feeling. But um, yeah, we'll just roll with it this morning. Um, so uh, today, uh, we are getting stuck into our new teaching series for the term. And it is called Jesus and... Dot, dot, dot. Um, and there are four books in the Bible that give us four different perspectives on Jesus' life here on earth. And we sometimes call them the Gospels. Um, you can find these accounts at the start of the New Testament... And they are called Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, helpfully named after the Jesus followers who wrote them. Um, And in this series, we are going to be reading John's book about Jesus. And in it, John tells us about loads of different people who encountered Jesus in their real day-to-day lives. Uh, There were miracles, there were confrontations, and people generally had their lives thrown upside down and inside out one way or another when they met Jesus. Like each person met the same Jesus, but almost everyone left a different person. And John tells us about these Jesus encounters because more than anything, he wants us as his listeners, readers, to grasp a hold of who Jesus is. That Jesus is, without a doubt, the son of God, that Jesus lived life here on earth to point every single one of us to life, life in him, through him, and above and beyond anything we might expect or imagine. So today, um, as you can see, um, we are going to be looking at Jesus and John the Baptist. And Hopefully this won't cause too much confusion, but John the Baptist is a different John to the John who wrote the book John. Got it? Right. (laughs) Um, So you can read about John the Baptist in all four of the Gospels. Um, Whether you know uh, lots or nothing about him, um, here's what I imagine John the Baptist's social media profile might look like. So uh, have a look. Uh, So name, John the Baptist. Parents. Elizabeth and Zachariah, very old. Um, Other notable relatives, uh, a man called Jesus Christ, who was his cousin. Uh, Age, a few months older than Jesus. Address, the wilderness. Uh, Occupation, prophet, warm-up act, baptising. Favourite item of clothing, camel hair with a belt. Uh, Favourite food, locusts and honey. Likes, straight-talking, dislikes hypocrites. Surprising fact... Uh, He spent a significant amount of time in prison, death, execution, sanctioned at a booze-filled royal party, and he famously said about Jesus, he must become greater, I must become less. So let's just uh, fill out the occupation part of uh, his profile for a minute, and as you can see, there's a picture that I imagine was taken in real time of uh, Jesus and John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. But um, so John the Baptist, he's um, like a bridge between the Old and New Testament parts of the Bible. Uh, In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, we read these prophetic words 
about our John and his God-given tasks. Uh, So it says, a voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So when John the Baptist started doing his job, living in the wilderness and speaking the words God had given him, it ended nearly 400 years of prophetic silence. Like, that's pretty epic. And I don't know what you think when you um, had a look of his profile, but John the Baptist sounds to me like someone who was quite unlike anyone you or I might know or could even imagine knowing. He is uncomfortably uncompromising and he is fully focused all in on the task God has given him to get people ready for Jesus arriving on the scene, to help them understand who Jesus is in a historical bigger picture context and in a very personal, your life will never be the same if you say yes to this kind of way. But what about John the Baptist and Jesus, like together in their real day-to-day lives? Like, what did that look like? What do their encounters tell us about Jesus, about us, about Jesus and us? Um, so this morning we're going to have a look at three times Jesus and John the Baptist crossed paths. First one is in the womb. Second one in person. Third one in prison. And um, we're going to read from the Bible. And having said that this series is based in John, um, we're going to cheat and read a bit from Luke before we get to John. So um, follow along in a Bible if you've got one. There are some at the back you can help yourself to, or the words will be on the wall behind me. So our first Jesus and John the Baptist encounter in the womb. Uh, This is Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 41 and 44. So for a bit of context, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary is pregnant with Jesus. Uh, Mary has uh, left where she's living. She's gone to see Elizabeth. Uh, This is verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And verse 44, Elizabeth says to Mary, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. These verses um, are usually read as a small, kind of vaguely interesting part of the Christmas story. Um, But this is the first time John the Baptist encounters Jesus, so it's important for us this morning. So here they both are. John the Baptist and Jesus, nice and toasty in their respective mother's wombs, just chilling out, doing some growing. Then Jesus walks in and John goes nuts. Like John is already doing the job God gave him to do before he's even born. Like John senses Jesus, the Son of God and Saviour of the world, is close. So he jumps up and down, gives Elizabeth a kick, saying, look, look, mum, this is it. This is him. He's here. He's right here. And I've just kind of been thinking about this. And can you imagine, like, being so aware and so sensitive to Jesus being close like that? 
And like so much so that you can't help but react to excitedly point him out to anyone and everyone around you. This is a massively challenging question for me and maybe for you too. And of course, as always, it's easy to come up with excuses. I'm no John the Baptist. But, well, why not? Because this kind of encounter is what Jesus wants with every single one of us. We don't have to wear camel and eat insects, but filled with the same Holy Spirit, we get to have this same kind of relationship, this same kind of closeness with Jesus. And I think for me, this first encounter is great for giving us an encouraging but firm jab to the ribs. Because, look, if John the Baptist can encounter Jesus from inside one womb to another, that blows apart any conditions, any restrictions I might put on Jesus and our relationship. Suddenly, anything is possible Anywhere is possible. There are no limits to how we can encounter Jesus. So now we are going to fast forward around 30 years um, to look at Jesus and John the Baptist meeting in person. So uh, we're going to read now from John. We got there. Uh, So we're going to read John chapter 1, verses 19 uh, to 34. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I'm not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Uh, This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, uh, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world... This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify, this is God's chosen one. And a couple of chapters on, uh, this is from John chapter 3, verses 29 and 30. John the Baptist says, The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. 
That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. I just, I think this is really um, fascinating. Like Jesus and John the Baptist in the same place at the same time. And what we get to see and hear of it, I kind of think it's a little bit weird and it's a little bit brief. Like we're not told of an emotional reunion, like Jesus and John the Baptist running up to each other, having a massive hug and a frantic catch up on the last 30 years of their lives. Like John the Baptist has dedicated his whole life to Jesus. He's been listening to God in the wilderness, preparing himself to then prepare others for a world-shaking introduction to Jesus. Like he has had the second most important Jesus-related job, I think, after Mary. And I don't know, but if it was me... I'd have some things to say to Jesus, as always. Um, I'd, I'd tell him about the years that I've spent in the wilderness, and that's not a metaphor. Like, I'd make sure Jesus knew about my 101 ways to make a locust tasty. I'd, I'd tell him about how I'd listened to God and how I'd said yes to this huge task of getting people ready for you. I'd reel off the long list of people I'd baptised and also the list of people I'd ripped into for not getting on board. And to be honest, I'd pretend to be humble, but I'd expect a massive pat on the back from Jesus at the very least. And from these verses we've just read, I'm just like struck by an unshakable sense of contentment and freedom in John the Baptist. John resists any temptation to pretend he's someone he's not, or anyone other than who God has made him to be. John doesn't waste any time going on about how great he is and what he's been doing. He always points people to Jesus. Jesus is the one. Don't look at me, look at him. He says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. John knows who he is. John knows who Jesus is and he knows how they fit together. His confidence is something that I'm a little bit envious of. And we read... um, In John chapter 3, verse 30, this is uh, one of my favourite verses in the Bible. It says, He must become greater, I must become less. And this is a verse that, for me, I can close my eyes and breathe along to. He must become greater, I must become less. It helps me remember who I am who Jesus is and how we fit together because I'm not Jesus that shouldn't come as a surprise to me or you Um, but way more times than I'd like to admit I act like I think I am like I make this life about me I try to take control I do life like it's all on me to save the world and it's not Let's breathe a big sigh of relief at that. He must become greater. 
I must become less. And like just if we uh, read that verse, for us together, he must become greater, we must become less. And my prayer is that we would be a church that lives this out in the best possible ways. That as a church, we are confident because we believe God put us together to be here in this place at this time to point people to Jesus. Like we know we're a collective broken mess. And we also know that with Jesus, everything is possible that people can, that people will encounter Jesus through us. And I pray that as church together, we live with this John the Baptist perspective, that we learn to live with that perspective that it's not about us, it's not on us, and we don't run ourselves ragged living like it is. And in all of this, we fall short, we're sorry, and we get to go again, and we go again with Jesus. He must become greater. We must become less. Now, you might be thinking, this is all very well for the super-Christian, camel-hair-wearing, locust-eating, wilderness-living John the Baptist. As we said earlier, he is a guy that is unlike anyone in our real lives, unless you know anyone who wears camel hair and eats locusts. No? Okay. So yeah, he's unlike anyone we know. Or is he? Um, We are going to read from Matthew, I know, controversial, it's not from John, still in the Bible, it's all good. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 6. And I think in these verses uh, we see that John the Baptist isn't, um, he's not as inaccessible or unrelatable as we might think. Uh, So this is our third Jesus and John the Baptist encounter and it is in prison. So uh, this is what it says. When John who was in prison heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And this is one of those bits in the Bible that feels a little awkward. Like, For a start, our hero John the Baptist has somehow made a quick step from living in the wilderness and heralding the arrival of Jesus, the Son of God, to prison for an unknown reason, for an unknown amount of time. And on top of that, from his prison cell, John gets some of his friends to track down Jesus and ask him this question. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? I'm like, sorry, what? Like John the Baptist, big time prophet, baptizer of people, this guy who, as we've just said, is totally content in who he is, 100% confident in who Jesus is, has questions. 
And not just a small, barely relevant question. Like John is having a full-on crisis that is making him question everything he has said and done for his entire life. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Like, where is the voice of God that was so clearly leading him in the wilderness now? Like, where is that assurance and confidence that we admired earlier? How can someone say of Jesus, this is God's chosen one, and then ask, should we expect someone else? Like, this is a pretty big switch. Like, can you imagine John's friends' faces when they um, go to him in prison and when John says, go and ask Jesus this question? Like, can you imagine the kind of like social media type frenzy that would follow this kind of faith crisis in this kind of person? Like, John's haters will be loving it, reveling in it, telling everyone, oh, look at John. He said this, now he's questioning that. Like, Jesus' friends... And the people he's baptised, they hear about this, they might be having their own faith crisis right now. But Jesus, how does Jesus respond? I kind of think this might be a good opportunity for Jesus to shut down anyone who might dare question him. It would be a great time for Jesus to speak to his followers back then and to us now and slam everyone who has doubts about their identity, their faith, their relationship with God, and tell them to just keep quiet and don't be so weak. He doesn't know, does he? Like Jesus gently points John the Baptist to the tangible things that can be seen and heard in his real life, present day. Jesus says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. It's like he's saying, don't worry, John. You had me right. You had me right from the start. I'm here. I've got this. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. And John the Baptist is human, just like us. He's all in, he's sold out for Jesus. And he has experienced terrifying doubts and questions. And as we see from Jesus' response, neither of these things make Jesus love him anymore. He's not more impressed by John because of what he's doing. He doesn't love him when he's on fire and doing all the things he should be doing any more than when he's saying, is it really you? Like, neither of these things make Jesus love him any more or any less. And the same is true for every single one of us here. Whether we feel like at the moment we're, Jesus, I'm all in, I'm sold out for you, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. Or we're like, Jesus, are you even who you say you are? I don't know right now. Like Jesus responds in the same way. His love for us doesn't change. It will never change. And so we're going to um, have a bit of space now to um, yeah, respond to God. Uh, we're going to pause. We're going to um, share communion in a bit and worship together. Um, I've got uh, 
on the wall behind me, um, there's going to be some verses and questions that um, just might help um, in a response kind of way. So just encourage you to like, take a minute and ask, like, what, what's going on for you right now? What is God saying to you, to us? And have a think about yeah, some of those um, verses that we've read. Like, can you imagine being so aware and so sensitive to Jesus being close? What is that verse? He must become greater, I must become less. What does that mean for you? And can you get your head around a God who loves you so much? He encourages both confidence and questions. So I'm going to hand over to Rachel. She's going to lead us. Amen.